0: Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello,
1: hello, hello. As I said, I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. Now, how many times have we talked badly to ourselves, uh, quietly told ourselves that we're not good enough? not skilled enough, or not attractive enough. Uh, These thoughts fill our heads sometimes quite uh, too often. My guest today is going to help us overcome these thoughts. Dr. Jacqueline Plumet is a psychologist, career counselor, speaker, and journalist writer. She practices psychotherapy and career counseling in Larchmont, New York, and Manhattan. Dr. Plumet has written a book called The Bitch in Your Head, How to Finally Squash Your Inner Critic, which details how we can get these discouraging messages out of our head. I'm so glad to have her here with me today and extend a warm welcome her way. Dr. Plumet, welcome, welcome to Don't Box Me In.
0: Thank you. I'm so glad to be with you.
1: Thank you for hanging out with me. Have a good time today. So you are in New York, right? I am. One of my favorite spots to visit. I love the energy there. Um, so uh, we're going to get right in here and, and start talking about the the book here. You call it the, the Bitch in Your Head. What what or who exactly is this bitch in our head?
0: It's the mean, critical voice that the majority of women and many men have You know, just running a a tape or or even, you know, daily in their their mind. It says, you know, as you walk out the door, you look in the mirror and it says, you look fat. Or it Mm -hmm. says, you know, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. How could you be so stupid? You blew it. Um, Don't even try. It will never work. It's those Mm -hmm. things that we would never say to a friend. We would never say to our child but somehow we think it's okay to say them to ourselves, even though they're depressing and discouraging.
1: Okay, okay. Now, you mentioned uh, when you were giving the first part of the examples, stuff like, you know, walking out the door and we say, you know, we look fat. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if sometimes... It's kind of a good thing to have that thought because, uh, you know, not to be unkind, but sometimes I've been out and about in public and I've seen people like, oh, does she have mirrors at home or she really shouldn't? That, that's really not for sometimes I'm saying these these inner thoughts, these second guess, kind of make us look back and maybe do the right thing. So is it a bad thing to have somebody in our head saying mm, kind of like, no, you shouldn't be doing
0: that or when when you look in the mirror? And you say, "Oh my! You know, my butt is as big as a house, or something." <laughs> <laughs> um, that's discouraging, and it makes yes, you want to have comfort food. Okay. That, that's, that's me
1: and my double stuffed Oreos. You know, anytime life gets a little bit too chaotic for me, that's my instant go-to. And then after I consume like half the bag, I even feel more guilty about that. And I'm like, oh, Lana, you're, just, you're just such a terrible person. You have no self-control. How could you not just eat two and stuff like that? And, you know, it, it does kind of create this, uh, you know, cycle, this like cyclone of, of self-wallow and pity, you know, you can kind of go through if we don't, uh, master this. this.
0: Yeah. As opposed to saying, you know, well, I, I fell off the wagon. I fell off the <laughs> Oreo wagon today. But I'm, I'm going to get right back on tomorrow. And, you know, everybody deserves a slip. And I'll get back on tomorrow and I'll, I'll lose that weight I want. Gotcha, But, gotcha. you know, Lana, well, it's interesting. I mean, even someone as successful as you are has a bitch in their head. I mean, i found that no matter how beautiful, successful, you know, admire the woman is. If we're a woman, we we usually have a bitch in our head, and it's it's really terrible. And it's you know, I mean, men men tend to have um, uh, self criticism in a much more contained area. It's usually more you know, like his is bigger than mine stuff, you, you know, gotcha. body, body parts or income or prestige. But boy, oh boy, I mean, we can do it about anything, dating, parenting, appearance, giving a party, you know, just any old thing.
1: Yeah, you know, you can take a, a glance, uh, stroll through a grocery store at the checkout and see, you know, the magazines that are geared towards women and just that instant peer pr- uh, pressure that we have from the media of, uh, you know, having to look a certain way, you know, there's this perfect fit and body style and structure like that. And you can kind of, you know, beat yourself up about that if you buy into all of that and not, you know, get to this comfortable place in life where you you accept who you are, you know, you can can kind of feed into that, and and it's a a continual cycle, I would say. Now, you mentioned something, and I'm going to make sure because my thoughts are kind of going straight here, but you mentioned that men really don't have this pressure or, you know, have this bitch in um, their head that women do, but um, what accounts for this difference, do you think?
0: Well, as you mentioned, it's not just the supermarket magazines, but there's this, Whole, what I call a beauty industrial complex of you know, fashion and pharmaceuticals and um, beauty products and and media that you know is making us feel inferior. I mean, men men don't have you know a look how fatty is on the beach and you know blared in the supermarket line and and they don't get pressured with you know, oh, have you read 50 Ways to Be a Better Friend or 50 mm-hmm. Ways to Be a Better Parent? I mean, we get a whole lot of pressure from the media. Okay,
1: That's
0: okay. just one of the reasons. But um,
1: Now, I'm yeah. curious, how did you come up with this? You know, because that is a very strong word, you know, and, and uh, as a female, some of us really don't like to hear that word. How did you come up with that term to describe this 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 inner voice in our head.
0: I'm glad you asked me that because <laughs> um, "bitch" is a word I never use in my personal life. I, mm-hmm. I think it's sexist and it's ugly. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm a psychologist, and when I was working with when I'm working with patients who are self-critical, I realized that none of the standard psychotherapy techniques can really help people who are self-critical. They, they just can't hear how mean they're being to themselves. But, you know, I started saying, I said it, to I tried it one one day, I was working with a woman who was a lawyer, and she was one of the few lawyers I've ever worked with who really liked being a lawyer. Mm-hmm. She, she started saying, um, oh, I'm so stupid. I should, mm. have got, I should have gotten an MBA. I would have been making much more money. How could I have been such a jerk? And, you know, I thought, this is, you know, she is so self-critical about so many areas, and I, I sat back and trying to figure out what can I do to break through and make yeah. her realize, and so I said, I took a chance, a big chance, and I said, <laughs> boy, boy, are you a bitch. I uh, said, oh. pulled back as if I'd struck her, uh-huh. and then I said, to yourself. And she could hear it, you know, it's such an awful word, and if if we realize we're doing it to ourselves, by labeling and personifying that mean voice, people get it.
1: Okay, okay. So was it like an instantaneous breakthrough?
0: And, and It was start- an instantaneous breakthrough, absolutely. Awesome, you know, awesome. I've been working with her for several months, and, and she just couldn't get it. But all of a sudden, she got it, mm-hmm. you know, and went it's such a terrible word but when you realize you're doing that to yourself you get it mm-hmm. now is this some woman who didn't get the title of my book by the way <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's very clear cut very clear cut but you know i'm wondering is this something cuz you were talking about you know, like this client where you, you used it first, the lawyer. So she's at a, an established age, an established in her career. Yeah. Uh, but I'm assuming that it didn't start with her like the week before. This is something that evolved in her. Is this, this something that we start to experience at a young age?
0: Some people, you know, I mean, I, it happened to me when I was um, uh, in seventh grade. I was a very confident little girl. I was a fat little girl, but I used to love to sing and dance and be the star of little musicals in my school. (laughs) And I was up on stage. I had gotten very tall and skinny between sixth and seventh grade. And I was up on stage, you know, trying out for the ingenue part. And the music teacher called up in front of everybody and said, Jackie, don't you know tall, skinny girls are never ingenues? Oh, my. Everybody started laughing, and this terrible public speaking phobia descended on me, and it lasted for years and years. I mean, I, I couldn't get up in front of people and say anything. I was so afraid I was going to make a fool of myself, and it took years. Now, finally, I've regained the joy of, you know, speaking in public, and I love doing it now, but, oh, it took years. <laughs>
1: You know, that's amazing how one little instance or, or occurrence can have such a damaging lifelong, you know, effect on a person. And, you know, yeah. thank goodness in your case that you had the tools accessible to you come across in your life to, you know, be able to make the necessary corrections. But I'm thinking now that there's a lot of people in their journey that don't have um, exposure or the fortune to come across something to say, hey, you know, there's a better way. And, you know, they they walk their whole walk in life um, carrying around you know, things that are hindering them back from living the best possible life
0: that they could possibly live. You are you're absolutely right. And I've heard I've heard from women across the country who said to me, you know, that they never realized, they saw the title of my book, they bought it, and they said, you know, now I realize the bitch in my head, you know, and it's the voice of my, my mother or my father or my teacher or, you know, or, or just some people have no idea where it came from, but this terrible bitch in your head.
1: Mm Mm-mm. mm. Mm mm mm. And you say in your book um there's different types of bitches, correct?
0: Absolutely. There's uh the sick bitch, the party bitch, the marriage bitch, the parent bitch. <laughs> you know, we can we can do it to ourselves in a hundred different ways.
1: <laughs> so is it possible like okay, I've gotten rid of one demon and there's still six or seven I gotta deal with, or once you get rid of one it's kind of
0: everything's done. You know, once you you what I what I say, once you go on a bitch hunt, and it helps to <laughs> do it. It helps to do it with a friend. I mean, if you read the, the bitch in your head with a friend, and then you catch each other, you know, I mean, it's, it can be kind of fun once you, uh, and and very liberating. <laughs>
1: Okay. So let's start. Um, one of the ones that uh, a lot of women are dealing with these days is the dating uh, bitch. So oh, yeah. I wanna, what, what, let, let's talk about her uh, or start talking about her before we go to commercial break. What What problems or what issues with the, the dating bitch you might see in somebody that's kind of experiencing this?
0: Well, you know, you're always thinking that everybody else is younger, prettier, smarter, more charming, you know, and why would – why would he love me when he can have his pick of, um, you know, especially bad in areas of California where, you know, there's so mm-hmm. many starlets and things. But um, Oh,
1: yes. Competition is fierce in L.A. Competition is real fierce in L.A.
0: Yes, yes. But what, you know, what we have to do no matter where we live is to focus on, on what we enjoy in life. You know, what do we do that we enjoy? What are our, you know, attributes, our assets? um, you know, and, and and make our life as enjoyable as possible and then, you know, invite someone in to join it. I mean a joyful person is is like a magnet to healthy men. You know, much more much more lasting than someone who who is beautiful. I mean beauty fades, you know, it's
1: They're going to get old, too. Yeah, yes. You want to be stuck with a a nice person to be around, you know, at at the end of the day. Uh, We're going to take a quick commercial uh, break, Dr. Plume When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about this particular type of bitch and uh, go on with that. So stay with me. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Well,
1: hello, 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 and welcome back. Today I'm hanging out with Dr. Plume, who's uh, titled the book The Bitch in Your Head, How to Finally Squash Your Inner Critic. And before the commercial break, we were talking about the different uh, types of bitches that you could possibly encounter in your head. And, and one in specific was the, uh, the dating bitch. And I'm wondering if... Um, you know, we, we tell ourselves sometimes as women, we tell our things, you know, like, oh, you know, he's never going to like me or, you know, I'm not really, you know, attractive enough to, you know, capture the attention of this type of man or whatever. Uh, could that possibly lead some di- somebody down a path of, of finding um, or involving themselves in unhealthy relationships because they just feel that they're never good enough for something that they think they deserve or should deserve or actually qualified
0: to be worthy of? You're absolutely right, Lana, that uh, that if you don't feel good about yourself, if the bitch in your head is saying, you know, you don't deserve to be loved or you're not pretty enough or good enough, um, you, you can be um, subject to abusive relationships. Um, or you can just stay in a, in a relationship that is, is very unhappy or unhealthy. So uh, it's, it is a serious problem, yes.
1: Okay, so how do we start to, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, get a friend, you know, um, I guess we're going to call these bitch buddies, right? But how do you, how do you start this process of getting rid of these these inner demons in your head?
0: The first thing to do is to hear it. You know, okay. that's why I use that shocking word bitch. I mean, to hear the negative voice, um, and then to realize there's there's a big difference between. Some people think it's healthy to have this critical voice. There's a big mm-hmm. difference between the bitchy voice that just makes you feel bad, okay. and constructive criticism, as we were starting to talk about before, okay. where you define the problem and then you say, "Well, yes, you know, um, I might not be as attractive as I'd like to be. What can I do about this? Mm-hmm. You know? How can I how can I make myself more attractive?" or how can I make my life happier? You know, I mean, how can I work on my relationship? Is, is there something I'm doing? Or, okay. or am I really just in an unhappy relationship? So it's constructive criticism that defines the problem. And then you use your energy to come up with solutions rather than just picking at yourself. Okay. Um, and the rule of thumb I have is you should never say anything to yourself that you would not say to your friend or your child. We all have to become really good friends to ourselves and good parents to ourselves. Okay.
1: I like that. Good friends to yourself and good parents to yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I like that. I mean, because I think that makes the whole understanding of the concept that much easier to grasp because, you know, I think it can be possibly confusing for, you know, some people, especially people who have not really had the personal growth and evolve yet, to understand the difference between constructive criticism and they might just parlay into this. Oh, you know, that's the same thing as being bitchy. But really your constructive criticism is, you know, things that you can work on to improve your life, to get it to a better state. Bitchy is just kind of this constant beating yourself up for, you know, things. And and there's no, you know, making the necessary improvements. So you won't have these kind of conversations with yourself. Absolutely, Lana. Awesome, awesome. Now, um, if you if you don't, you know, I think we had talked about this earlier. Um, if you don't get to this place where you're going to recognize, you're going to hear it, and you're going to realize, you know, that you have these these thoughts and these criticisms in your head, um, how does life play out for you?
0: Well, um, for for many people, they um, don't feel entitled to set limits with their partners. They don't feel entitled to set limits with their children. Um, you know, uh, children need to, a parent who will say no and set limits. And if you feel too guilty about that, you're going to raise somebody who doesn't have, who's bratty, you know, <laughs> a term, um, but who doesn't, to use the more psychological term, can't delay gratification.
1: Gotcha. You
0: know, I mean, they they want what they want when they want it, and they don't know how to um, kind of stay cool about it. And they're gonna, they're not going to be successful adults if they don't learn that. Um, they feel oh, holiday season is coming. <laughs> yes, it's, indeed. Uh, oh my God! Uh, <laughs> you know, the Martha Stewart bitch. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. You know, I mean, the guys are not sitting around the golf course saying, Oh my gosh, you know, I've got to make five sides for Thanksgiving. You know, are you you know, I wanna make the best mashed sweet potatoes I can get. I mean they're not mm-hmm. they're not worrying about this.
1: Yes, yeah, so um, everybody's coming to the house and everything has to be perfect and, you know
0: right, right. They're not worried about, you know, whether they should invite, you know, mean old Aunt Myrna who never invites them back and just criticizes. <laughs> built uh, on ourselves,
1: oh awesome, yeah, you know it's a whole different dynamic for yeah, and, and it's it's so you know sad that here we are in two thousand and fifteen, and you know we're still struggling with these these difference in and pressure that uh, we don't even realize that we've groomed ourselves to be you know as far as being a man versus being a woman you know right. um. Right. You know, you just, we're still, like you said, holiday season is coming, and, you know, the guys get to sit in the living room and watch right. the game. And, you know, we're still stressing about did, did that sweet potato pie taste good to everybody, you know.
0: Right. So. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, all the women sitting in the, the living room watching, a, you know, a movie while the guys are cleaning up? I don't think so.
1: <laughs> it happens. It happens. Okay, let's be fair. It might happen, but maybe it's rare, but it might happen, you know. Let's oh, be and fair. if it happens, you Keep that guy happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's a keeper, right? <laughs> <It's> a treasure. <laughs> now, you've mentioned a couple of times here um, children, children, children. You especially mentioned, you know, don't uh, talk to yourself uh, if you wouldn't say that to a child. So right. I'm wondering I'm a mother. My daughter's now 20, um, and there's lots of women out there that are mothers or potentially will be a mother at a young age, there's there are things, I'm assuming, that we can do that will minimize this potential for um, future...
0: Absolutely. Just, Absolutely. So,
1: as as um, a parent, not, not even as a female parent, but even as a father, what are some of the things that we can do that would kind of minimize this growing in a child?
0: Well, you know, you're right, Lana. Um, the fathers, I've, I've been amazed that fathers come to the talks I give because okay. um, they... They don't want their wives or their children or even their grandchildren to grow up and be so self-critical. They, they want us to be um, more um, more uh, self-confident. So one of the things, um, ironically, is that we have to watch how we complement our children. You know, I think there's this whole thing about good job, good job, when they haven't done anything. So. okay. I think you have to, and you can't say, oh, you're the most beautiful girl in the world or you're my little princess because they're not a princess and they're not the most beautiful girl in the world, you know. Okay. I mean, and, and if they start not trusting anything you say as opposed to a very specific thing, you know. Oh, you look so pretty tonight, you know, oh. or I'm so proud of the way you, you really played your heart out in that game today. You know whether they won or lost, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm so proud of the way you really worked on that essay for school. And you know, you really, I really, you know, I'm very proud of how you you wrote it and how you thought about it and you worked hard. You know, I think I love compliments. I believe in compliments, but um, they have to be real.
1: Okay, okay, so I mean, and I guess that would be an error, because, you know, I've said this time and time again, nobody gives us this parenting manual when we pop the babies out, so, but to to understand as a parent, you have to give honest, truthful compliments, don't hold back on the compliments, but make them realistic for your child's situation.
0: Right, right, and also, you know, I mean, my theory is love and limits, you give lots of love. Lots of love, hugs, kisses, compliments, but you also set limits. You don't let the child say nasty things to you. I mean, home should be a a, a a a a free zone where everybody, nobody insults each other, where nobody is mean to each other, and that means the children shouldn't be mean to you, you know. <laughs> so, love and limits. Un, unbridled love just. Again, produces a, a not very appreciative or nice child. Mm,
1: yeah, I've been about in in my day to day activities, you know, be it at the store or whatever, and it just seems like the the generation today are very um, mean to their parents. You know, it's a it, you know we, you had mentioned this earlier. You know, it's kind of like you know I want what I want and I want it now. It just seems right. like we're kind of in that culture now, um, and. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, as a parent that has, a, you know, you could create sort of bitches in your head because it's like I failed as a parent. You know, why is my child acting this way? Why is my child so selfish and yada, yada, yada? But right. um, we haven't done the necessary things possibly to kind of direct our child in a different path, you know. So sometimes we do have to take ownership of right. the, the monsters that we
0: have created. So any child any child is going to, to want to be selfish. Any mm-hmm. child is going to want what they want when they want it. That's that's just normal. But mm-hmm. it's our job as a parent to try to control that and curb that. And as we were saying, you know, the, the bitch in your head tells parents, oh, it would be mean to say no or, yes. oh, I should let, you know, little Johnny or Judy say whatever they want to say mm-hmm. and express their anger. Well, you know, there's a difference between saying, It's okay to be angry, and I understand you're angry, but you're not allowed to insult me. Yes.
1: Yes. And I I think that's – and, like, I I go back to that. Nobody hands us this parenting manual and says, okay, you know, you need to do this when this happens. You need to do this when this this. So a lot of times we're just winging it, and, you know, we fall short. But, um, you know, it's helpful to have, you know, access to, like, these opportunities here and say – Know this is how you redirect this child, you know, because right. if you, you know, so it's, it's a wonderful thing to have this. Because if you don't do it when they're little, you'll have a bigger price to pay when that child is 18, 19, 20, or that child will have a bigger price to pay when they're an adult and they have these, these ingrained philosophies about how things should go according to what their child life was like.
0: That's true, but it's never too late to start. Never
1: too late. And that's why we pick you up the have book. An the an eighteen-year-old or
0: twenty-year-old who's insulting you—you just shouldn't put up with it.
1: Not at all. Not at all. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll talk some more when we come back. Right after this.
0: Let's return to "Don't Box Me In" with your host, Lana Reed.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. To Don't box me in. Today, I'm talking to the author of the book, The Bitch in Your Head, How to Finally Squash Your Inner Critic, Dr. Plume. And uh, we were talking about uh, the parenting bitch before the commercial break. And, you know, um, you know, how as a parent, sometimes we struggle to, you know, find the best way to, you know, potentially groom our child into being the best person disciplining our child and stuff like that, um, which which kind of Brings me to another thought. Um, you know, as we grow and mature, the person who we were when we were 18 is not who we were at 28 and who we will be at 38. You know, I know now at 46, um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of personal homework on myself and I'm, I'm in a comfortable place. Besides my double stuff Oreos, I'm in, I'm in a comfortable place in life. Um, you know, but sometimes I, I run across people in life who um, they're dealing with their own bitches in their head. So, you know, although I'm... I'm happy with me, and, and I'm, I'm cruising along in a wonderful spot. My life still kind of gets subjected to people who are I've not done work. You know what? What is the, the guidance that you can give when I encounter people who are still struggling with their own inner bitches?
0: Well, as we said, that um, they should never treat themselves or say things to themselves that they wouldn't say to their best friends or they mm-hmm. wouldn't say to their loved child because mm-hmm. we do have to be as kind to ourselves. I mean, we know it would be depressing and discouraging, and we can't be discouraging and depressing to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, you bring up an interesting point that at each stage of life, you know, mm-hmm. some people are, are very self-critical and, and worried as children, and then, you know, they get to college and they bloom. Some people, when they hit the job market, you know, the workplace is, can be very, very discouraging and create what I call the work bitch in your head. Um, then there's the parenting pitch, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then we get to what I think is, can be the, the hardest stage, and that is um, when you get older, because um, a lot of people feel that society does not value older people. You know, practically anybody who hits 40 or 50 will occasionally tell, tell themselves you're old and over the hill and be mean to themselves that way. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, unfortunately, no matter what area of life or what era of life, you know, if we don't watch out, the bitch in our head is going to creep in there and make us miserable.
1: Okay, okay. Now, you know, let's say, you know, Lana, you know, I'm at 46, like I was saying, you know, I have my my time with Dr. Plume and, and I deal with all of my issues and I've got all my bitches under control. But I go out, you know, and I have to go to work every day and sit in a cubicle next to Jane and she's she's miserable and she's, you know, she's taking me through all of her changes, you know, at work because she hasn't dealt with her her bitches in her head. But I have to work with her day after day. How do I how do I kind of ease that situation and make it more pleasant for me?
0: Right. Well, Lana, it could be one of two things. There, Jane could either be, um, bemoaning all the time and, and whining and wallowing in her misery all the time, and you know we think that we can help somebody, mm-hmm. but it can be just like a um, you know a, a suck all the life out of us. Yes. Um, and. You know, you can say, um, you know, Jane, I'm so sorry you're going through this, but I'm getting pretty depressed listening to you. I think, you know, maybe, maybe you could get some professional help, you know, and, and if you have ever gone to a therapist, you could say, I, you know, I did it myself and it really helped. Um, or, on the other hand, if Jane is being mean to you, yes. you know, she's being the mean girl in the office and it is, um, it's, it's, hurting morale, then I think you have to speak to your boss or speak to um, HR and get Jane some training or get her some some help so that she doesn't hurt morale.
1: Yeah, you know, because I think we all, at some point in our life, you know, we're cruising along in this little happy, comfortable spot and, you know, either it's your job or, you know, maybe somebody in your family, maybe a cousin or something like that. We encounter these people that are just... Debbie Downers, so to speak. And, you know, man, you just killed my joy. And, you know, you have to, you're forced to, you're in a situation where you can't really navigate away from them, you know, but, to, you know, if we could be given the tools to kind of, like you just gave us, to navigate through the process, you know, and still keep our, our peaceful place in life, you know, you know, and, and not allow us to drag, be drug into that, that inner critic, that they have, because sometimes it's just kind of a catchy thing, you know. She's, you know, saying, woe is me, and, you know, you start to feel like, oh, this gray cloud kind of floats over my head, too, you know, you don't want to be in that spot.
0: You're right. I think uh, part of being your own best friend is to be very alert to toxic people. There are people who are toxic, and if you're with them, you start feeling bad. And you really have to protect yourself. I mean, whether it's a family member or whether it's uh, a, a former friend, um, mm-hmm. really have to limit the time you're with them and understand that you have to put like a plastic, emotional plastic protective shield on yourself. The, the lady like, in the really, bubble. Right? And not, awesome. not not think, oh, you know... It, it would be mean to cut them out of my life. No, 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 no. It's self-protective to cut them out of
1: life. It's healthy. It's healthy. Some people have to go. You have to say you or me, and and, and it's very healthy sometimes to let people go. Now, there's this other bitch that you, um, when I was reading through the chapters, you talk about, and I, I find the title very interesting, and I just want to get some clarity, uh, the bitch at night.
0: Who Who is this oh,
1: yeah. chick? Who is this chick?
0: <laughs> She's <laughs> the one where if you wake up in the middle of the night, you look at the clock and she starts yelling at you, "Oh my gosh, you're never going to get back to sleep. You're going to go to you're going to be too tired to work tomorrow. You're going to be too tired to do anything. This is awful." And you toss and you turn and you think about, "Oh my gosh, I'll never be able to pay my bills. I'll never be able to find my way to the airport." I mean, whatever you're worried about goes round and round and round in your head. And I call that the bitch at night. Um and here's what uh, I learned when I went to um, sleep training clinics to find out how to help my patients. The thing that the pharmaceutical industry does not want you to know
1: mm-hmm. is
0: that if you just lie quietly, relaxing and meditating, or just, you know, lying there with pleasant images in your mind, even if you don't go back to sleep, it's as Almost as healthy as sleeping. It's the so, tossing and turning and thrashing and worrying that's exhausting.
1: Okay. So. So, so that old little trick of when we were kids and they told us to count sheep—that kind of is still plays. Just be still and kind of take your mind and, and get in a peaceful place.
0: Yeah. And and um, maybe a pleasant image. I mean, I know that when I wake up. You know, I used to toss and turn. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. Um, I have a pad of paper by my bed. So if I'm worried about something or if I get a great idea, I write it down and I say I'll worry about it in the morning. Because we all know that things at night just seem, you know, much more horrific than they will when we wake up the next morning. We can't really effectively problem solve in the middle of the night. (laughs) The other thing is... um, For some people, behavioral psychologists say, you know, get up and read or do something boring like wash the floors or pay the bills and then when you're sleepy, come back to bed. That doesn't make, that doesn't work for me because I just start wanting to wake up in the middle of the night and read. Mm -hmm. The the telling myself the truth, which is, oh, it's three o'clock in the morning and I have four more hours just to lie here comfortably and relax and meditate and I get this image in my mind. For me it's a sailboat. I'm out on a sailboat and it's sunny and I have a some sort of protective shield so that I don't get sunburned. (laughs) I'm lying there in the sunny a sailboat and it rocks me to sleep. And you know, when I first started doing this, I learned the trick at a as I say, a sleep training clinic. I, I thought, you know, when I wake up in the middle of the night I'm never going to believe myself that oh uh-huh. good, I've got four more hours to the lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to believe this. Who does that? No, just four more hours, right? <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I do. You know, I put myself in a win-win situation. I can either just lie here comfortably, or I can go to sleep. And I'm—I do. I get so comfortable that I go back to sleep.
1: Awesome, awesome. Now I'm just curious. Sleep training clinic. Um, and this is so sidetracked, but what, what all do you, is it for people with sleeping problems and they just and they really just teach you how to get no,
0: yourself back? 1st to- I've been to a couple for psychologists on how we help our patients because so many patients have insomnia. You know, okay. So what we do for them so that okay. they don't have to take medication that, you know, most of those medications are addictive. They're not good for you. So yeah, that's to yeah. be the last possible resort. Um,
1: yeah. And I like that. You know, I mean, as a doctor, most of the time you hear people, you know, really kind of buy into the medication. But to find, yeah. you know, somebody who says, no, there's some, some alternative options, I, I kind of enjoy that
0: there. Right. And my husband, um, when he read an article called um, Second Sleep, and that's about how many cultures go to sleep, and then it's perfectly natural to wake up and spend a couple hours doing something and then go for a second sleep. And when he read that, he he felt again, oh, this is natural. I'll just get up and I'll read for a couple hours and you know, I mean, the, he also read that in some cultures they get up and dance and talk and I think well, wake me up. <laughs> we're
1: not we're not going to do that. We can talk. read,
0: but we- <laughs> <laughs> that's grounds for divorce. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> Which is another bitch in your book, right? The divorce bitch, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> and, and what kind of thoughts does she go
0: through? Well, says, oh, it's your fault, what, you know, what did you do to cause this, I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the person left you for a younger woman, I've, I've had patients whose husbands left them for another man, and they still blame themselves.
1: Well, um, baby, you had nothing to do with that, dear. Right. <laughs>
0: No, if be no. the prettiest sexiest woman and that would not help
1: <laughs> yes yes it's just amazing to you know and you hear people you know just constantly beating themselves up for things and you're looking as an outsider you know listening to them like really you why are you even taking yourself through these changes but you know i say this we just really don't sometimes have a full understanding of the personal demons that people are walking around with and the background to why they have these demons. Like you said, you know, of yourself, you know, for a long time you struggle with public speaking. And, you know, if somebody met you later in life, you know, they're saying, you know, just get up there, on just get up on stage. what What is the issue? But, you know, once they understand the story behind it, then it's a bunch of light bulbs. And aha, okay, we see. Okay, now we can develop a course of action you know so right. um, it's, it's just amazing that um, you, you you need to understand people's history to understand why they're struggling with what they're struggling and, and the bitches that they are walking around with in their head we're going to take a quick commercial break we'll be right back right after this
0: welcome back to don't box me in here's your host lana reed
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. I am hanging out with Dr. Plumet today. She has uh, written a book called um, The Bitch in Your Head, How to Finally Squash Your Inner Critic. And before the commercial break, I, I mentioned again uh, one of the things that she struggled with, which was public speaking. Um, I'm wondering, Dr. Plumet, were there other um, bitches in your head that you walked around with personally? I
0: didn't know my left from my right, and I still don't. <laughs> I still don't know my left from my right. So when when people would tell me, um, "Oh, Jackie, you're you are very smart," I would my little bits in my head would say, "Yeah, but how smart can you be if you don't know your left from your right?" And you know <laughs> this was this I felt this was a terrible secret that I had to keep. And it wasn't until I got to graduate school that I started learning about learning disabilities and you know that <clears throat> somebody could be you know not know their left from their right or maybe they can't spell or maybe they can't do math but but that's just a glitch in their head and otherwise they can be extremely intelligent so boy oh boy was that a, a relief for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: oh see now at first when you said you didn't know your left for your right i thought you were saying you didn't have coordination but you were you know a little musically you, did, you heard a different beat but okay
0: now no, I, I... I'm not the most athletic person I know, but <laughs> <laughs> i I can you know walk across the room but um, oh. but if you okay. told me you know turn i mean even now when I'm driving with a friend and they say "Turn right, I have to really, really think about what are they talking about okay, so.
1: okay. So, you know, um now Doctor Plume is, you know, an expert in the field and she helps all these people, you know, get to this wonderful place in life. So we're going to assume that she never has any issues and never has any bitches <laughs> in her head come back and haunt her, right? Oh, how
0: how lovely the think that's possible. <laughs> now, they're they're at least controllable. I mean at least I know what they are now and I can argue against them. So okay. No. Okay.
1: Okay, so we will have these times in life where even though we've done the work, we've got it all under control, and we're, we're going to be faced with them from
0: time to time. Absolutely. You okay. Know, absolutely. You know, that, that I, have to, I have to act like a man when I look in the mirror. <laughs> I, I don't think I told you about the difference between men and women when they look in the mirror. No, no if, you didn't. Go ahead. Even beautiful women will focus on what they don't like. So I have to train myself not to say, oh, gosh, look at those crow's feet that are developing, you know. And I have to train myself to smile and look in my eyes rather than, you know, complain about my hips. Um, Because men do exactly the opposite. While women look in the mirror and zone in on what they don't like, let's imagine a man with a giant beer belly looking in the mirror, he mm-hmm. focuses in on what he likes. Mm. He says, "Oh, my blue eyes still sparkle. Or, oh, <laughs> I, can, I can still flex an arm muscle. So, I still got it. <laughs> I still got it. And he walks away, feeling great. and Walk away, feeling bad. <laughs> so we have to, uh, we have to catch ourselves."
1: Mm, that would explain for you know some of the uh, over exuberant confidence that some men have when they go to you know chase the, the really really pretty girl and you're just kind of looking at the whole scene from the you know the outskirts like why does he have so much confidence in himself but well, <laughs> and why do we feel bad yeah
0: you no know, it's, uh, it's interesting because I've never worked I've never worked with a woman of any age. I mean, even older, way older women, who mm-hmm. liked men, who enjoyed sex, and didn't find someone to love. Mm. Okay. You know, it's just there. I think there is a lid for every pot. <laughs>
1: True, true. Um, you know, we we hope so. We hope so. I mean, we, we're walking around in our day-to-day journey hoping that there's a, a missing puzzle piece out for uh, out there for us. You know, a lot of us are struggling to find it. But, you know, you, you, you have that hope. And, you know, if you don't deal with some of these issues that we've talked about today, I think that could really hinder you, even when your pot, your missing pot lid comes your way, because you might have so much junk, you know, he's like, oh, never mind. This is way too much for me to deal with, you know. Right,
0: right, right, right. So let me, go ahead. I was just saying, as we were talking earlier, if you focus on making your life as enjoyable as possible and, you know, you don't let the bitch in your head criticize you, you just try to make your life joyful and happy and fill it with non-toxic people, you will it's it's win-win if you find someone that you love they will be very happy to join in that kind of life and if unfortunately you don't find someone to love you're going to be happy anyway so if you can that's put right. yourself in a win-win position you that's know that's
1: right that's right. Be happy with yourself and everything else will flow. And if not, hey, like you said, you're still happy with yourself. You're still in your happy place. <laughs> right. Now, um, you know, the audience is listening today and, you know, they're kind of, you know, saying, hey, I've got a couple of inner critics that I need to hush and they want to reach out to you. Now, I know we said earlier that you're in New York, but is, is it possible for people who are not in New York to work with you?
0: Uh, no, but I would love it if they bought the book and I think they'll get a lot of benefit. if it's in Barnes and Nobles all across the country. It's on Amazon.com. Um, they can go to my website and get a lot of, download a lot of um, pieces from the book. It's JacquelinePlume.com or TheBitchInYourHead.com. And, um, and, you know, if they, if they want to work in, on therapy, they could call their local psychos- psychological association and get a good referral.
1: Okay, okay, so you are only in New York. So if there's somebody in New York wanting to reach out for you, they would just go to your websites and reach out to you that way then, correct?
0: Yes, and if I'm not the right one, I'll try to help them find somebody.
1: Awesome, awesome. Now, I do want to mention, um, you know, that you do some other things, and I, I kind of touched on that in the beginning. One of the things you do is a, a career counselor. Could you um, just give the audience a brief description of what a career counselor does?
0: Yes, Um You would go to a career counselor if you you don't think you're headed in the right direction, if you're unhappy at work and you don't know whether it's a bad fit at work or it's a bad fit in the field or the company. um, I I meet with people um, for an hour. I get to know them, and I send them away with a bunch of tests and exercises to do, and it's usually very short term. It's usually three or four sessions a week figure out the okay, so. right direction. Um, there's counseling departments at colleges. I mean, if okay. someone is in another state and they're nearby a, a college, um, the colleges often do this for for neighboring people. Okay.
1: So. so like the client that you said you had earlier um, in today's talk where she walked in, so I should have, you know, got my MBA instead of been, been a lawyer. Or, you right, know. right. So that would have been something along that line. You would
0: have... Absolutely. Like, we could have okay. given her a test to see whether she scored more like lawyers or or um, business people. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: okay. Now, you do... Um, I, I was on your rep's website, you know, perusing around. You do also have the um, capability for book club clubs to connect with you via Skype. Is it, did I read that correctly?
0: You did. I think that's a lot of fun. I love to... Skype with book clubs um, and talk about the bitch in your head. That's that's fun. Take take questions. I love, you know, the question and answer thing. So, yes, they can get they can reach me through the website, and I'd I'd be glad to speak to book clubs.
1: Okay, awesome, awesome. And uh, another reason, you know, I really like this. I want to point out to people and encourage people to buy the the book, um, the bitch in your head. You're you're donating uh, the proceeds or part of the proceeds?
0: All the proceeds. I'm I. Anytime I write something, I I give away anything I earn for writing to charities that help families and children. I I make my living as a psychologist, and and I give away my writing income.
1: Awesome. I love that. I love that greatly. So what's next on the books for Dr.
0: Plumet? Oh, gosh. I have a... I'm endlessly working on a novel. <laughs> endlessly working on a novel, huh? <laughs> I thought it would be easier to write fiction than nonfiction, but it isn't for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How long have we been endlessly writing this novel?
0: Oh, only eight years, Lana. <laughs> oh, only eight years. Okay, so I'm going it, to I think assume that ready. there's... <laughs> Go ahead. I think it might be ready, but who knows? <laughs> Okay.
1: Okay. So maybe we have a couple of inner critics working in our head there. Eight years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you also speak any any speaking engagements coming up shortly or anything that somebody can catch you at?
0: Um, in the New York area, a lot of them actually. I'll be in California in April, but not until then. Um, up in Boston in December, and all around the New York City area. So um, some of those are on my website. So. It would be fun to, um, to see anybody who's listening so okay. if they're in, in the area. Okay. And otherwise, I hope they'll just buy the book at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. So thank you so much. It's been so much fun talking to you.
1: It has, it has, and I want to make sure everybody understands. I think the two points that you made, um, we need to, to, in dealing with your inner critic, the bitch in your head, first, you need to hear it, and second, uh, you need to realize the difference between uh, the bitch in your head and constructive criticism. That's the two takeaways or some of the takeaways we can have for today's conversation, correct?
0: Yes, and you should never, ever say anything to yourself that you would not say to your best friend you would not say to your child because you know it would be discouraging and depressing. We should yeah. never, ever say discouraging and depressing things. We should try to define a problem and use our energy to figure out how to solve the problem rather than to feed ourselves up about it.
1: Awesome. So... Talk to yourself, step back, and, and, and talk to yourself um, in a manner that you wouldn't talk to a child or your best friend. If you're not going to say it to your friend or your child, we're not going to say it to ourselves. And I think those Got are it. some... Some valuable tools. Now, if we can all learn that, you know, I'm going to take this away from my my Oreos. Everybody knows that's me and my Oreos and my, my challenge for myself, so I'm going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> my guest today has been Dr. Jacqueline Plume. Please visit her website, thebitchinyourhead.com. Pick up the book on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles. Mr., uh, Dr. Plume, thank you. It has been such a pleasure. Today, that is all for this week's show. I'll be back. Next week at the same time, until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I will see you all next week.